Hello and welcome to The Family Show. I'm your host, Eleanor Rossman, and joining me today and every week are Brendan and Brandy Lee. Hello. <laughs> good to see you. It's always good to see you. Um, it's still hot out, isn't it? It's still hot. It's, it's still summer. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. It's the intellectual energy in the studio today. Oh, lucky <laughs> we're so cool here. Yeah, truly. <laughs> um, well, anyway, today we're going to talk about, of all things... Jackpots and lotteries. Big jackpots. So I figured, yeah, we would this week talk about big lottery jackpots, unfair roads, and frustrating and confusing visions, right? Um, I figured that's enough to fill a show, right? Three completely abstract and unrelated topics. Um, but the lottery thing, so, so a couple weeks ago, the big lottery jackpot hits $1.3 billion. Yes, I remember hearing about that, right. Right, and, and in anticipation of the drawing, I actually got this vision, right? And this vision is of me buying a lottery ticket. That would be right. a vision. Exactly, right? Talk about great timing. Like the jackpot hits $1.3 billion. So you're thinking this is maybe a message to you? Exactly, okay. right? Because mm-hmm. like, I never buy lottery tickets. Okay. So I have this vision of me buying a lottery ticket, right? Here I am in this vision. I'm buying the lottery ticket. Unfortunately, as I'm watching this vision, I can't see the numbers on the tickets. <laughs> Okay. Right. You're, you're having a vision of buying a lottery ticket. Right. And and you have to get the numbers because exactly. you have to know what to play. Right. Mm-hmm. And and I'm I'm watching this vision and I'm trying as I'm watching to get the numbers. Right. I'm shifting the image all around, like getting close ups, magnifications. I still can't see the numbers on my ticket. Right. Anyway, I buy this ticket. And as I'm going home, what am I doing? I'm telling God. All the good things I'm going to do with that $1.3 billion if I win. Because that's what you do Mm -hmm. when you buy a lottery ticket, right? Um, All the people I'm going to help. In my vision, I'm pretty sure that I figured out how to end all human, not just suffering, but even significant inconvenience, right, on $1.3 billion. Right. So I get home. I sit down in front of the TV 11 o'clock news comes on, and I realize I have the winning ticket. Strange, because I, I still can't see the numbers. It's a very frustrating vision, right? And not just do I have the winning ticket, a winning ticket, right? But I have the only winning ticket. So that $1.3 billion Was I in this vision? is all mine. <laughs> it's all Randy. <laughs> oh, okay. it's, it's a selfish vision, right? Um, so in this vision, it's, it's after 11 o'clock at night, but off I go to cash in my ticket, right? And you're supposed to line up accountants, lawyers first, right? At least wait for the lottery office to be open, right? <laughs> but, but not in my vision, right? Off I go. I'm walking down this road, and I see this guy standing by the road. And this vision says, study his face. And I'm like, I can't be studying some guy's face. I'm still trying to see the numbers on the lottery ticket, right? I'm having a vision of winning the lottery, and I can't get the tip on the numbers I need to play. But the vision says again, study his face. I'm like, no. Why study some guy's face? 
I just need the winning numbers so I can know what to play, right? Give me the numbers, then I'll study his face. Why do you even want me to study his face anyway? And the vision says, because after you pick up the check, I need you to come back here and give the check to him, right? Wait, this will be a check for $1.3 billion, right? Pre-tax, anyway. Well, that's exactly... Obviously, the vision was not... Obviously, (laughs) the vision was not counting in tax or Mm -hmm. early payout option, lump sum payment option, right? So so it was a very limited... but, But, you know, and I'm thinking to myself... How much of that $1.3 billion do you expect me to give to this guy? And the vision says, all of it. Mm. Which, of course, tipped me off that this vision could not be from God, right? Because <laughs> he wouldn't make me give it up. But, so there's no way, right? So I'm like, Lord, this is not you. You remember, we talked about this And I told you all the good things I was going to do with my $1.3 billion. I can't give it to some stranger. I have plans for that money. I have good plans for that money. And then I hear in my vision, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, Mm -hmm. with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and with all your winnings. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of, it, in a sneaky sort of way, it's kind of like, the vision is kind of like the Good Samaritan story. I was thinking that. Right? Very thought. And and here's the $1.3 billion question. The Good Samaritan parable, is it really about who is my neighbor? Or is it about subordinating my will, my plan, mm-hmm. to God's? Right? If you go to the parable of the Good Samaritan, which is which is only appears in Luke and it appears at Luke ten, twenty-five to thirty-seven, very interesting. This lawyer asks Jesus, What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, You're a lawyer, you tell me. The lawyer comes back with two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus is like, you're exactly right, go do it. And the lawyer comes back, not with, how do I love God with all my heart? He comes back with, well, who's my neighbor? Yeah. Right? And and the lawyer completely blows off the first commandment, straight to the second. But which of the commandments does Jesus tell us really is the most important? Love your God, the first. In fact, if you do the first of those commandments, love your God, if you dedicate your heart to doing the will of the Father, God will show you who your neighbor is. You Mm -hmm. will need to ask, Mm -hmm. right? It's also interesting where the Good Samaritan parable appears in the Gospels, right? Luke has it just after Jesus sends out his 70 disciples to go, you know, heal and cast out demons and feed the hungry, all these other things, right? So it's just after he sends out the 70 disciples, and it's just before the Mary and Martha meltdown, right? Jesus sends out the 70 disciples with specific instructions 
which they follow, right? They are under his authority. And what happens when people act under the authority of God? Miracles happen. Yeah. Right? That's what happened with the 70. You act under the authority of God, miraculous things are going to happen. Right? Mary and Martha. Where is Mary in the first Mary and Martha story about, you know, my sister is, you know, listening to you and I'm doing all the work? Where's Mary? With Jesus at the foot of Christ. She's at, that's exactly right. Mary is at the feet of Jesus. Note the positioning. She's positioned her, herself subject yeah. to his authority. What's she doing? Loving God. More listening. Specific. She's listening. That's exactly right. She's positioned herself in his authority. She's listening to what he's saying. Mm-hmm. And what does she grow up to be? A great saint. Saint. Yeah. A great saint. Where's Martha? prepping. She's in the kitchen and they tell us she's distracted by much serving. Yeah. How do you become distracted by much serving? Taking your eyes off of Jesus. Well, taking your eyes off Jesus, but think for a second. When you're to be distracted, you got to be serving how many things? More than one. One. Right? You can't, when you're, when you're distracted, it's because you got more than one voice talking in your head. Mm-hmm. Right? Mary has placed herself under the authority of many, I'm sorry, Martha. Martha has placed herself under the authority of many masters. Mm-hmm. Martha is so busy trying to meet the needs of all these different pieces, people, she misses Jesus appealing to her life. And as a result, she drives herself nuts. Yeah. Right? If you go back to me winning the lottery, if I win the lottery, would I be free to serve God? Or would I, suddenly getting this infusion of $1.3 billion, be subject to 1.3 billion masters. Well, you know, what I've read of lottery winners in the past is not necessarily a good thing. And I'm talking about even people that give a lot of it away. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like you're inundated, first of all. Mm -hmm. You've got to make all these executive decisions. It's... It's a distraction. I have to believe it in the very, and most of them lose the money ultimately mm-hmm. anyway. They mm-hmm. just blow it and, and they're not any happier for sure. When, when we talk about winning the lottery, right? You hit the big jackpot and the experts tell you, what do you do when you win the lottery? Right. And, and they go, go talk to an accountant, go talk to a yeah. lawyer. We talk, if I win the lottery, if I win the lottery, what will I do? And we all have a list of things to do. Yeah. But what's the right answer? If I win the the lottery, the first thing I will do is... Pray? Pray. What do you want me to do? And and if you're not coming up with that answer, what the answer that you're really getting is, you've forgotten the first commandment in your life. Mm -hmm. First commandment is not go do nice things. The first commandment is give your life 
to Christ with all your being. Mm-hmm. Right? What a gut check. That's why we have lotteries. It's, it's just so we know that we've forgotten the first commandment. Absolutely. We're going to stop for a quick break. But you're listening to Holy Family Radio and Brendan Randy Lee, and we're talking about this such a religious topic. Crazy unrelated things. Lotteries and jackpots, and stay tuned. back with the family show with Brendan Randy Lee and we're talking about the Good Samaritan. We did. We we sort of we and pretended, we pretended to talk about lotteries, but really backing into the Good Samaritan parable. And and Brendan and I and our family well, before you said, you yeah. know, that because that I went through the same thing with the lottery and I said, Lord, I will not be distracted if I win that lottery. You're yeah, talking I, about this one that we just had, this well, billion dollar yeah. yeah. So meanwhile, after I had that conversation with the Lord Meanwhile, I didn't even have a ticket, but because someone threw one in my pocket, you right. know. But I proceeded to do my daily rosary, and I couldn't tell you one mystery because I was thinking how I'd spend the money. But I just told the Lord, I will not An honest be woman. <laughs> so I'm like, it already got me. Like, Isn't it hard not to think about that? Yeah. It's like, oh, as soon as you hear it, you think, oh, boy, what will... <laughs> you know? But the power of just, you know, we have that within us, it wells up and like, Oh, okay. And you know what? I mean, think about this. The, the real lottery is heaven. I mean, well, yeah. to be with well, God you know, forever. Well, the we next day, down. I went in to Mass, and just before, I thought, Lord, I won the lottery by sit- sitting, being yes. invited mm-hmm. to your table. Yeah. You are the pearl of great price. Yeah. I already won it. Mm-hmm. You're right about that. Mm-hmm. Well, that's. I mean, that's... That's exactly right. If you're only going to win one lottery in your life, exactly. what's the, the one to win? Yes. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. think about it. I mean, when was the last time you heard somebody say, you know, oh, man, God chose me to be Catholic. I won the lottery. You yeah. know, I I get to every Sunday eat, consume the body and blood of Christ. Yeah. In, you know, I mean, that's one would think that, like Brenda said, that's the that's the real treasure. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is a real treasure. Um Brenda and I were we were down on this um, Good Samaritan thing. Brenda and I were were down in on Tybee Island, Georgia, in July, attending mass and our family. You know, we we're all down there, and we we're at St. Michael's Parish on Tybee Island. And Father Jerry Reagan, the pastor down there, spoke on, in fact, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Right, and he had some really provocative thoughts, and one that jumped out at me was that we all live every day all the time we all live on the road to jericho which is where the parable takes place the good samaritan where the good samaritan finds the guy who gets robbed right and father jerry said that not only do we live on that road but in every moment we are choosing to be or we are becoming one of the characters 
in the parable, mm-hmm. right? Sometimes we're the good Samaritan, we, you know, seeing and, and loving the person God has placed in our path. Sometimes we're the priest or Levite who are putting our will before God's will. Um, sometimes we're the wounded man mm-hmm. on the side of the road needing to be helped or healed or loved. And I think sometimes we don't think of it, but, but that's one of the characters. And sometimes we are that person mm-hmm. waiting to be loved. Sometimes, this is a little bit uncomfortable, sometimes we can be the robbers mm-hmm. enriching ourselves with no regard for the effect or the consequences our efforts will have on another. Yeah. Right? And I think my favorite is sometimes we can be the innkeeper. Right? Mm-hmm. He helps another but at no cost, no inconvenience to himself. Mm-hmm. Right? Mother Teresa used to say, it's not love till it hurts. Mm. And what the innkeeper does may well be helpful, but it doesn't cost him anything. Right. Getting, right? It doesn't hurt. It's not love. Right? Father Jerry, this, this fascinating observation about this little detail in the parable. The robbers leave this guy half dead. And one thing that's interesting about that expression is that we never use the reciprocal expression, right? So we say people are half dead, but we never say someone is half alive, half alive, right? You watch a movie, they discover the victim, they find no pulse, right? No one says, or they they actually find a pulse. That's That's all that they find, right? The guy seems dead and they find a pulse. Nobody says, quick, He's half alive, right? Right. The victim's either still alive or he's dead, Yeah. right? And if he's still alive, everyone springs into action, calls 911, rushes to the ambulance, right? Um, if, they're, so if they're alive, there's hope, right? Whether it's half alive or a quarter, an eighth, nobody asks. It's just there's a pulse here. Let's swing into action. So what's it mean to be half dead, right? Obvious question is which half is dead, right? And the answer is always the same. When you're half dead, the half that hopes is the half that's dead. When you're half dead, you're just waiting for the other half to die. You're just going through the motions. So in the parable, we have this guy who loses everything, he's beaten, he's humiliated, he's left alone in the dust and the dirt and the heat, people are passing over him, what's he doing? He's laying there waiting to die. Yeah. That's why he's half dead. But love comes, and it's love that saves him. Father Jerry had this great observation 2,000 plus years ago, right? 2,000 years after the fact, and everyone still knows who the Good Samaritan is. doesn't matter whether you're Christian or not. You say Good Samaritan, people know the yeah. point, right? One of the most famous figures in all history, Good Samaritan, and he's not even real, right? Little test. Name three emperors of Rome or of Greece or three kings of Babylon. Name a king of Judah other than Saul, David, or Solomon. Name Truman's vice president, right? Name a U.S. senator in the 1950s other than Joe McCarthy. Name a U.S. president between Grant and Teddy Roosevelt. These great people, they all dissipate. I just flunked. 
Me too. That's the point, right? We don't know any of these great people. In their moment, they were huge, and now they're just all gone. But this made-up business traveler riding a donkey down the road gets remembered, right? We don't know how much it cost him to help this guy or if the guy he helped even lived. We don't know any of that. We just know that this guy loved someone as we would like to be loved, and that has, Im- you know, just yes. Im- printed, imprinted his yeah. image in our brains for 2,000 plus years. Mm-hmm. Brenda has a relative who's a, a college student majoring in computer game design, which sounds kind of fake, right? What are you going to do in college? Oh, man, I'm going to major in computer game design. Yeah, that's right. That's the real major. Um, but this relative takes this major incredibly seriously, and, and he is going to be very, very successful in this, right? And, and, he, and this, this, he, the, the, this relative is telling me that to design a good game, you have to understand hardware, you have to understand software, programming, storytelling, graphic design, music, but most importantly, you have to understand where people are and what will engage them. So this relative of Brenda has become quite the student of pop culture so that he yeah, so that, 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 that this person can can, you know, um, design computer games. And they were talking to me and they said, Uncle Randy. Have you noticed that the only movies that are selling now are superhero superhero movies? And I would include in that your James Bond, Top Gun, Mission Impossible, yeah. because all of them have these bigger than life like action figures, type, yeah. fat, bigger mm-hmm. than life fact, action figures saving the world. And they said, "Do you know why that is? That people want superheroes." Mm. I was like, I don't know anything. Why is that? And and Brenda's relative said, because people today see the world as overwhelming. They don't believe one person can make a difference. So they want to believe that there are transcendent powers, right, that can save them, that can rise above this overwhelming world and help them. This transcendent good who can protect us from these overwhelming shadows. And you hear that and you say to yourself, then what should be really popular today? If people are looking for these... Right, exactly. (laughs) But we stop short, don't we? Exactly. The church should be really big right now. Why isn't it? And there's two answers. One, the world has been convinced that God and his body are what? Weak. Yeah. Right? We've been convinced that God and his body are weak, and two, people don't even know today who God is. Mm-hmm. Right? Notice, notice today, everyone is spiritual. Yeah, right. right? You ask, right. everybody's spiritual, but no one has Faith. In, a faith yeah. in, a, in a particular God. Right. No one has a church. They're all spiritual. No one has a church. What's that tell you? People know there's something out there. Right. They want there to be something out there. Right? They want there to be something out there that's big enough, strong enough, 
to save them. They just don't know what that is. They just don't know who that is. Mm-hmm. Right? And and so here's really the cool part of this whole puzzle. If we love as God has called us to love, right, then people will know who God is and they will know his power, right? It all ties up. The, the 70 disciples set out, what they do? They put themselves in the authority of God, right? Mary put herself in the authority of God. What did they do? You're in the authority of God. What are you going to do? You're going to love your neighbor. If you love your neighbor, you will be remembered. God will be remembered, right? People are going to know who God is and they're going to know he's powerful. Why? Because we placed ourselves under his authority and became instruments of his love. Sounds like something we should be doing every day. Mm-hmm. I mean, every day upon waking, mm-hmm. say, Lord, I put myself under your authority. Mm-hmm. We've talked about this before, mm-hmm. asking God to do his will mm-hmm. in our life every day. That's really that whole idea of this putting ourselves under authority, right, mm-hmm. of God. He's first. Mm-hmm. We can't love our neighbor until we love him. Mm-hmm. That image of, of Mary, like you said, Eleanor, at the feet of Christ, listening to his voice. We are out of time, but we invite you to join us every Friday at 1230 on AM 720 for the family show. And keep us in your prayers. For Brenda and Randy Lee, I'm Eleanor Rossman, and we leave you with the beautiful sound of seasons. Seasons.